Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. I'm excited to bring the Word. I preached at Clare Valley, our Clare Valley campus a couple of weeks ago, preached mostly this message. I have tweaked it a little bit knowing the things that we've talked about here at our Paradise campus. But I just think that this series has been a great confidence builder in our lives as Christians. Wouldn't you agree? It's given us, I've had many, many conversations with people. In fact, I had a conversation with someone in a catch-up on Friday who was literally like, I feel like I have confidence to face some of the challenges that I have in my life. I feel like that I knew the Word, but having heard deeper convictions coming from the platform and hearing other people talk about things, I feel like I've got strength in my bones, a strengthening in my backbone that just holds me strong no matter what happens. You know, some of the things we've talked about here at our Paradise campus were having a conviction about the Word of God, having a conviction about eternity, heaven and hell, and what that's gonna look like at the end of time. Having a conviction that our body is not our own. Whoa. Spiritual authority. And what it means to take and have spiritual authority. And I'm gonna speak a little bit into that space today, but also last week, and Sheena mentioned it this morning as she was leading, we talked about the power of our confession, the power of our tongue, and that the things we speak are are so, so important. And if you're a parent in the room, you know the importance of constantly bringing life and speaking life over your children. You know, when Josh said, Pastor Josh talked, I think last week or the week before, whichever one, it was probably the spiritual authority one a couple of weeks ago. He talked about um, his parents going into his room and praying over his children and for his children. And, and maybe it's time to get back to doing some of those things. And I sat there and I thought, get back to, I already do that stuff. My kids don't have a hope because I'm speaking life over them. I'm speaking the Word of God over them. They wouldn't even know that that's happening because when they're asleep and when they're not asleep. The words I pray over my son, who's only nine, when he's going to bed, are you are the head and not the tail. You are a conqueror. You are a champion. You are a leader and not a follower. You will rule and you will reign. And he just looks at me, but I'm like, you know what? One day, you're gonna know. It's the words I prayed over my daughter who's now 17, close to 18, and I'm watching her. She is a leader and not a follower. She is the head and not the tail. She is a conqueror. She is a champion. Sorry, Maya. Words are so important. Words are so important and we so easily can do detriment to our life or to the life of other people with the words that we speak. And and so I wanna continue and finish really up because next week we're gonna go on to a new series and we're gonna talk about the names of God, which is gonna be incredible. But I wanna sum it all up to, well not sum it up, I just wanna bring one of my convictions today, if that's okay. And I think it's a conviction that most of you will resonate with, but it's a conviction that if you will get strong in your life, will actually do a, a lot of help and will change your life. I wanna speak today about prayer. And tonight, our all in, worship and encounter night, And we're gonna hear testimony after testimony of God answering people's prayers. And we're gonna pray over needs tonight. And we're gonna believe for the power of God to move in this place. So can I encourage you, come and be in this room. If you've got a need or you're believing for somebody, just come and be in this room. But I wanna flip it a little bit today. I wanna let you a little bit like, prayer changes things is my heading, right? And some of you are going, yep, 
I've heard that before and I'm still believing for stuff and God hasn't answered my prayers. So what does prayer change? Well, I wanna address that today because do you know there's prayers that I've been praying since I got saved at the age of 17. And I know I don't look much older than that, but I've been praying some prayers for a lot of years and they're not answered. And I don't understand why. But I've prayed prayers and they've been answered. There's things that I have believed for in faith, never thought would be possible and God has answered those prayers. But then it's like, well, how come you answered that but you haven't answered that? I've got loved ones that don't know Jesus. And from the moment I got saved and discovered Jesus, I began to pray their names, believe for them to come to know Jesus. And I'm still praying and still believing. And I'm talking 30 years. So what does prayer change? Do you know the truth is? Prayer changes me. And that's what I wanna speak about today. Prayer may not in the immediate change your circumstances. Prayer may not budge situations and circumstances, but you know what it does? It changes us. It changes us. Ephesians 4 verse 14, a scripture that Pastor Tony read the very first week of our conviction series, like four or five weeks ago, and it just hasn't left my spirit. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Doesn't that just actually kind of echo where society's at right now? People are tossed to and fro. You know, my little boy who's nine follows the Western Bulldogs and they lost yesterday afternoon. And my little boy is passionate until they're losing. And then he's passionate, but in the opposite direction. And so it's like, I'm not watching. And he storms off to his room. And I am never watching this game for the rest of my life. And I'm not exaggerating, am I, Maya? I hate the Western Bulldogs. We have to tone the passion down. But when they're winning, oh, they're the best team on the planet. Turn it off, turn it off. I'm taking this T-shirt off. I'm throwing my flag in the bin. I am never following the Western Bulldogs. In fact, I'm never watching footy ever again in my life. And we've just learned, just ride the passion out. Just ride that emotion. Just ride it out. A very strong conviction in the moment. He is tossed and turned by anything that happens. Next game of footy comes on, he's like, Mum, can you put the footy back on? I thought we weren't watching footy anymore. No, it's good, Mum. But the minute I say anything about his team, Mum, don't say that about my team. They're good. They just weren't listening to their coach. <laughs> all right, mate, all right, mate. It's like he has all rights to say whatever he likes. He is that verse, immature, tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. His team's losing, he's, not, he's over it. His team's winning, woo, it's the best thing ever. Ah, oh, that's it, I'm going for another team. Dad, buy me a new T-shirt. I'm not following them anymore. And then I offer my swans gear. He, he will not. He threatens every other team. I'll go for the Crows. I'll go for Port Adelaide. I'll go for Collingwood, he says. And if you know footy, you know that's not a good thing. <laughs> and then he's back on the dogs. He, I think he wore a dog's T-shirt to bed last night. He's fine. But I, I, I really believe that if we could get a firm conviction on the fact that prayer 
in the immediate may not change what's happening around us, but it changes us then we would be able to be, as this Scripture says, not tossed and turned by things that are happening, not dismayed when God's not answering our prayers. And I know, I know what it means to not have prayers answered. I know what it means to desire something with all of your heart and wait and wait and wait and not see it happen. And then finally God does something. I know the power of answered prayer and I also know the devastation of unanswered prayer. But I also know that I have a conviction that God is good and He only does good and because I have that conviction it keeps me coming back to the place of prayer over and over and over again and I have no issue standing on an altar believing for someone for miracles believing for healing believing for restoration of relationships believing for salvation believing for babies when it seems like it's impossible I have no issue with praying even though I haven't seen some of those things in my own life because I know that God is good and He only does good. Amen? Amen. And that conviction holds me. That conviction gives me a backbone. That conviction in the face of a storm allows me to stand and say, God, I know that You are good. And while this is not good, You are good and You are working everything out for my good. And I trust You in that. You know, I think that perhaps the Lord's Prayer and Maybe I'm speaking just of my own opinion here. I think perhaps the Lord's Prayer is probably maybe the single set of words spoken the most in the history of the world. Most people, even if they don't go to church, know the Lord's Prayer. You go to a lot of assemblies, formal gatherings. I mean, it's dying out a little bit now, but they read or say the Lord's Prayer. And maybe it's not a prayer of the heart, maybe it's more of a statement, but I think perhaps that it's been one of the most and is one of the most single set of spoken words. Do you know, the truth is, is that in the, on the inside of every single one of us, whether you know Christ or you don't, from the very time you were formed in your mother's womb, you were created for relationship with God. All of us were created for a relationship with a higher being. And that's why we live in a society today where people are deconstructing, reconstructing, upending, doing things, not following Jesus, but following something else because all of us are innately wired to believe that there is a higher and greater being than ourselves. Because at the end of the day, if it just relies on me, we're doomed. I'm doomed because I'm not that good. I've got a lot of weaknesses and a lot of failings. And so innately, in all innately, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but inside each one of us, is a desire, a call for something and maybe we don't know what it is. And you know, even this morning, in just a few moments as I wrap up this message, I will be praying a prayer with people who maybe today are searching for something that's higher, greater than yourself. Because today I know that the answer, the only truth is that of the Word of God. It's through relationship with Jesus Christ that you can be reconciled to God, who you were created to worship when you were formed in your mother's womb. You know, I lived in Sydney for about nine months when I left school. I moved and lived with my sister. Um, And we live right, if you know Sydney, we live right in the heart of the city in a suburb called Leichhardt. And um, if if you know Italian food and you're Italian, you would know the city of Leichhardt comes alive when the soccer's on. We live literally just one street behind the main street of Leichhardt. And so it was a pretty wild place to be at times. But one of the things that was really um, 
uncomfortable and really unfamiliar because I moved from the country. At first was the planes that would fly over all the time. Leichhardt is very close to the airport and so as the planes were descending or taking off, you literally, they all flew mostly over the, the suburb of Leichhardt, right through the city and so you could literally be standing in our backyard and look up and know exactly what plane was flying above you. You literally could see the wheels going up or the wheels coming down, that's how close they were because they were right near the airport. And one thing that took me probably three or four months to get used to was the noise. You know, you'd be watching a show on TV and this plane would start going overhead and it was like, you just can't hear the TV anymore. And my sister had lived in Sydney for a very long time and she was totally familiar with it. In fact, it didn't even phase her. She would be having a conversation with me and the plane would be going overhead and she wouldn't even stop. She'd just keep talking. And I'd be like, I can't hear you. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, that plane is so loud. She's like, I don't even notice it anymore. You know, I would go to bed at night and be woken up by planes. I would wake up in the morning to planes because they were so, so loud. But after a while, that noise, that disruption to TV, conversation, phone calls would actually, actually just became super familiar. And then when people would visit, you could tell that it wasn't a familiar thing because they would be like, whoa, is that plane gonna land on your, on your roof? because it was that loud. And you know, they'd run out to the backyard and go, how close is that plane? Is that crashing? No, no, that's just the normal flight path. And you know, I wonder sometimes if that familiarity creeps into our prayer life. You know, I think sometimes that we are over familiar with prayer or, or maybe we hear someone say that they need prayer and then it's like, well, we're gonna pray. You know, oftentimes people say to me, would you pray for me? They know I'm a Christian. They know I go to church or might even know that I'm a pastor at the church. And so they say, would you pray for me? And, and I think in my head, they think that I'm just gonna say, yeah, no worries. And I'll go about it and pray when I am sitting with God. But I'm like, well, let's pray now. And they're like, oh, because they're not familiar. Or maybe we're over familiar. And so prayer has just become this maybe not even important part of our everyday life. Maybe just like that plane flying over that one gets used to, we've become familiar with what it actually means to have a prayer life and to pray to a God who's actually listening and who actually answers prayers and who actually wants to hear you and hear the words that you speak. Do you know, I think Pastor Josh said last week when he spoke on the words, our power of our confession, I think he said something like, and don't quote me, but he said something along these lines. You know, we often as Christians just think worship in our heart or we think kind things in our heart or we think gratefulness in our heart towards God. But the truth is God wants to hear that. God invites us to pray. In fact, there are scripture after scripture of God inviting us, showing us, you know, telling us how to pray. You know, when you're a mum and your child starts to talk for the very first time, you are so excited to hear their little voice. You're so excited to hear the words that might first come out of their mouth, even though mostly it's no and dad. You are so excited to hear your child speak. I love watching the development of my kids' speech. I was talking to Pastor Sarah and Danny's little boy, Luca, in the foyer before you all arrived and he's three and he's having a, a brilliant conversation with me. And I love that because you're watching the development of someone who's learning the art of communication, who's learning what it is just to have a conversation rather than just making demands. And that's what prayer is. It's not just us bringing our requests, it's us having conversation with the one who loves us, who created us and wants to hear from us. 
Philippians 4 verse 5 and 7 says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I'm just gonna stop. Some people today just need to know that God is near. And we could stop right there. We could bring the team up to worship. We could pray. Some of us just need to know that God is very, very near. He's with you. And He's not with you just because you walked into church this morning. He's with you because He's with you. He's with you because He goes with you. He's with you because He goes before you. He's with you because He surrounds you. He's with you. The Lord is near. Let me keep reading it. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, this was Paul instructing us in his letter to the church at Philippi about prayer. And you know, sometimes when you, you, you talk with a new Christian or you talk with someone who doesn't really have a developed prayer life or relationship with God, they're like, how do I pray? They feel like it's gotta be all these eloquent words and they've gotta say certain things and there's gotta be a script about how they do it. But the truth is, see, God's not after that. God doesn't actually need that. He just needs you to communicate with Him. God, I'm here. And I'm trusting that you're here. Will you speak to me? I've got, I got some things that are bothering me. I've got some things that are concerning me. You're just getting an insight into my prayer life. I've got some things that I just need an answer. I've got some things that I'm super thankful for today. These are the things that make me smile. These are the things that I'm so grateful that you've blessed me with. And while everything's not perfect, thank you. Thank you that every morning, your mercies are new for me. That I can wake up and yesterday's gone and today's new. And I can trust that you're with me today because your word tells me that you are near. And I think maybe we complicate it or we become over familiar and we don't do it. Or we just do it when there's a crisis. And I, I don't wanna make you feel, I mean, I hope this challenges you because it's challenging me. But I just know that when I know that God is good and that God is for me, then I have no issue in coming to Him all the time in prayer. I have no issue in saying, you know what, God, this is actually how I'm feeling. I have no issue in hiding, putting on a cover, putting on a face that says, everything's wonderful, praise the Lord. Because I think actually God, I don't think I know it, because the Word of God tells us He knows everything about us. And we try to put on the cover that, praise God, everything's good. I've got this pain in my back, but it's okay. Jesus suffered, so I do too, too. Maybe there's some keys in that passage of Scripture. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to Him. And then... The consequences or the onflow is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which will cover all your worries and concerns and anxieties. Will guard you. His peace will cover you. His peace will cover your hearts. It will cover your mind. The truth is, is it's all laid out for us right there. 
It says, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. But the truth is sometimes, more often than not, we spend most of our time turning over our anxious thoughts, worrying about everything that's going on in the world, worrying about the things that probably aren't even going on the world, in the world, but we think they're gonna go on in the world, instead of actually bringing our petitions towards Him. Why? Well, maybe we don't buy that prayer works. Maybe we don't fully have a conviction that prayer changes things. Maybe we don't fully believe it because maybe it hasn't worked for us in the past. Maybe we're praying for things and we've been praying for things that we haven't seen yet come to pass. And so maybe, just maybe, we've given up a little bit of hope. And I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone if that's you. There's been prayers I've prayed that I've put on the shelf for a time and then God has come back to me and said, hey, 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 what about that thing you're believing for? How come you've put that on the shelf? Well, you haven't answered it. Yeah, but I'm... I need you to talk to me about it. I need you to talk to me about it. Psalm 119 verse 68 says this, you are good and you do only good. Teach me your decrees. Psalm 145 verse 17 to 18 says, everything the Lord does is good. Everything He does shows how loyal He is. The Lord is near to everyone who sincerely calls for Him calls to Him, sorry, for help. The The truth is, is that our prayer life is actually altered or strengthened by the knowledge we have of who God is and who we believe God is. If I believe that God answers prayers, I will pray. If I believe that God is for me and not against me and that He only does good, then I am happy to bring my requests, my petitions, my thoughts, my transgressions. I'm happy to bring everything to the foot of the cross. But on the flip side, if I don't believe that God answers prayers, then why would I bother praying? See, our knowledge of God determines our prayer life. And so I wanna ask you today, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God answers prayers? Do you know, Many, many years ago, uh, when Rob and I were, were, were walking through some stuff and there was lots around us that didn't seem like was, was going well, God challenged me to write a Thanksgiving journal. I just recently read a book about a lady who'd had a lot of tragedy in her life and one of the things she did was every day just get up and begin to write down the things that were good and you know, her life was tragic. My life was not that tragic but I felt like there was a lot against us in this season and we just, I just needed to find a way to keep thanking God for the good things that I saw around me and you know, for one year, every morning, when I got out of my bed, I got out my journal and I'd put number one, number two, and I would just write the things that I was thankful for. Do you know some days they were very, very ordinary. I thank God for dinner today because that was where I was at. Number two, I thank God that the sun rose this morning and that there's breath in my lungs. Number three, but you know when I got to about 999, I realised that there are so many good things to thank God for, that there are so many reasons that I can be grateful and it actually changed the very inside of me because this is the truth. God is good, He only does good. The Lord is near to all those who call to Him for help. And while life may not change in an instant, prayer changes me. Do you know, someone in the Bible I think we can all relate to is a dude called Job. If you head to about two thirds of the way through the Bible, you'll find the book of Job, 42 chapters. It's a pretty long and depressing book. If you need to pick me up, maybe don't read it. But if you wanna see somebody who's walking through something much worse than you are, maybe go to the book of Job and read the 42 chapters. But 
You know, the truth is, is that prayer changes me from the inside out. But prayer also does this, it releases power. And so tonight when we come, we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe that God's power is released as we pray, as we unite together, as we bring our faith together. And prayer releases power to affect change in this world. And so when we come to God and we bring our petitions to Him and when we unite our faith together, it's why we'll always have a moment. It's why we get Pastor Roz up here to pray. We'll always have a moment where we'll unite our faith to believe that situations are gonna change and atmospheres are gonna change and salvation's gonna come and miracles are gonna happen and healing's gonna take place. We'll always do it because releasing of faith is the very thing that causes change. You know, Job was a man of conviction. Job was a good and a prosperous man who had a family, but suddenly his life didn't look so lovely. He lost property, his children died, his body was inflicted, and he was a man who was suffering. He was a man who probably had every reason to give up hope, to give up faith, to lose the plot and roll over in a corner and never get back up. But Job, I believe, if you read the book of Job and understand it for what it is, he held on to his faith in God and he is a a character in the Bible, a person in the Bible who can help us to have faith, to pursue that purpose that God's called us for and to have the courage to stand in the midst of our situations and even when things aren't changing, to have the faith to believe that God is for us and not against us, that God only does good and that the Lord is near to all who call to Him for help. You know, the first thing that I believe can change us when we look at the life of Job is that number one, Job prayed what was on his mind. Let me read to you, Job 10 verse one. I am disgusted with my life, he says. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I am disgusted with my life. That's a man who's honest before God. No, things are good. I know I'm inflicted. I know I've got this stuff going on. I know I've just lost everything in my life, but God, you're good and so everything's good. No, no, I am disgusted with my life. I'm not happy with this. He's letting God know what He thinks. And you know, I think sometimes we live at this surface level with God where we walk through the motions of everything's good, everything's good. And we're worried that if we actually told God what we actually felt, what we actually thought, that it might make him turn his face and run from us. Let me tell you, it's the opposite. When you tell God how you really feel, and what's really going on in your mind, I think he leans in a little bit closer and he says, come on, come and tell me what you really think. Come and tell me how it really is. I wanna hear what's going on because I want to then be able to provide the answers to move you forward. Job 16 verse seven says, oh God, You have ground me down and devastated my family. That's pretty passionate. They're fighting words. Oh God, you have ground me down. Like he's pointing the finger. He's saying to God, this is what's happened to me. What's going on? I'm disgusted with my life. You've ground me down. He wasn't holding back. And I think that's one of the greatest things we can do with our prayer life is learn to put off the facades, learn to put off the niceties and actually get to the crux of the matter and say, God, I'm actually not coping. I'm actually not okay. I'm actually really disappointed that for 30 years I've been praying this prayer and what's going on? 
Because I know this fact that when you begin to lay your life before God and you begin to tell Him what it's really all about, He begins to minister back to your spirit. He begins to lift up your head. He begins to say to you, hey, come on, lift your head. Look at me, look at me. I'm with you, I'm for you. I'm working all things together for good. And while you might not see it right now, you need to know that I am a good God, that I am a promise keeper, that I am for you and not against you that you are the head and not the tail, that you are a conqueror, that there are things you may not understand right now, but I am with you because the Bible, the Word of God tells us the Lord is near to all who call to Him for help. You know, in seasons of my life, there have been seasons where I, I, don't, I don't even have the words to pray. I, if I prayed, if I sat before you, God, what would I even say to you? What would I even say to you? Because the stuff that's happening in my life, the, the unanswered prayers that are seemingly just going wherever, is frustrating me. You know, you, most of you know our story. For so many years, we couldn't have kids and we had to have IVF with our daughter and just the devastation of hearing doctor after doctor say, you won't conceive your own children. And I, I can remember just God just saying to me, just come and sit. Just come and be with me every day. I know you don't feel like it but make your cup of coffee and sit at the end of your table in Kasula in Sydney and look out at your backyard and let me speak to you. And I, I wrote journal after journal, journal after journal, because I actually from season couldn't speak the words because I couldn't say them because all I would do was cry. But God said to me, write them and I've written them and I'll hand them on to my children when the time is right because that's a declaration of God's faithfulness and God's truth. But it also shows that it wasn't just cruisy, that there were some things that God had to change in me. There were some convictions that God had to get deeper on the inside of me that I realised that God is good, He only does good. And even if things don't change right here on earth, I am blessed beyond measure. He has set me free, He's given me eternal life and I just have to trust Him. Psalm 145 was always, and I've already read it, but it was always my conviction. Everything the Lord does is good. Everything He does shows His loyal love to me. The Lord is near to everyone who calls for Him to help. You know, pray like Job is my, if I could encourage you today, pray like Job. Let God know. He's not worried, He knows it anyway. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. We try to hide. He already knows. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And so some of you are there already going, okay, well then why do we need to say it? He invites us to be in relationship. He invites us to have conversation. Do you know when I got married and said my vows, told my husband that I loved him and promised forever to him and him alone. That was my conviction and my statement and my vow, my promise. But I have to keep living that out every day. I have to constantly keep saying, I love you. You can't just assume that 25 years ago I said it once and that doesn't, it doesn't need to be said anymore. There has to be conversation. There has to be coming back and having conversation. I, I can't just assume my husband knows what I'm thinking. Uh, he's pretty good, sometimes he does, but other times it's like, no, you're way off. He's like, well, why don't you tell me? 
You know, God's better than that. God knows what you're thinking. But he just wants you to open your mouth. So number one, pray like Job prayed. C.S. Lewis says this, we must learn to lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. I'll just leave that there. Number two, ask God to speak and listen. Over and over, Job asked God to speak to him. Job 10 verse two, tell me the charge you were bringing against me. Excuse me, Job 13 verse 23, tell me what I've done wrong. Job says to God, why has this happened to me? Tell me what I have done wrong, that this is now my lot in life. Tell me what I've done. The truth is though, that God needs us to listen. Sometimes we're talk, 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 say, 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 but we don't stop long enough for God to actually speak so that we can hear what He has to say. You know, one of the truths that I know about the Word of God and why I believe that prayer changes things and that thing that He changes is He changes me is because I've sat in the presence long enough to know that when I speak and then I stop and He gets to speak and I listen, it changes me. You know, when we couldn't have kids and I went on a fast to believe that God would change that in our life, God's after many, many years of not falling pregnant and doctors saying it's not gonna happen, I went on a fast and on day three of my fast, I open up the Word of God and I say, God, you need to speak to me. I think it was day two actually. You need to speak to me. And the very Scripture He turns my attention to is a Scripture found in the Gospels and it says, the fruit of your womb is blessed. Now, if I wasn't listening, that gave me something to hold on to. That gave me hope and conviction that God is near to me. He's near, He's right here. He's answering my prayers. He's here. And look at this, I'm so old school, right? And I have my notes in my thing and I've put the wrong page in the wrong spot. So just bear with me for a minute. Wow, that is so loser. See, I'm not technical and have an iPad. I'm old school and I have pieces of paper. You love it? And I have a Bible that's soaked in tears. If you literally open my Bible, you can see the pages that have got water stains on them. And I have a Bible that has scribblings all through it because it's when God's been speaking to me. Anyway, we're back on track here, maybe. I think I'm in the right order. Wow, that point was very quick, but it's because it wasn't in the right order. Too often we do all the talking. We want God to listen to us, but we actually need to stop every now and again and listen to Him. In Job 38, it says this in verse one, and I don't think I gave this to you, so don't panic. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Like that to me is just like, yep, that's sometimes how it goes. God answered Job from the whirlwind. The whirlwind of, God, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is the havoc, the havoc, the havoc of me expressing how I think and why haven't you and what have I done and what is this charge you're bringing against me? And then all of a sudden God comes and He says, will you listen to me? And I feel like sometimes that's our life. We're in a whirlwind. But if we would just stop, God would actually get a moment where He could speak to us and God challenges Job and God reminds Job of who He is. Listen to this. Where were you? This is God to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying land? Who supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstones? 
As the morning star sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. I love that. In the midst of Job's angst, all that's going on in his life, God just comes and says, will you just stop? And can I just remind you who I am? And actually remind you of who you're not? And what I can do and what you can't do? The fruit of your womb is blessed, he says to me. You know, when we don't listen, we miss out on so much. We miss out on correction, eek. We miss out on guidance. We miss out on affirmation. We miss out on perhaps the answers that we're praying for, but we're not listening. We're not listening. And if you go to Job 40, verse four and five, it says this, this is Job's response. I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've already said too much. I have nothing more to say. And maybe Kenny, if you could come. You know, Job is humbled by the deeper vision he gets of God. And where did Job get that deeper vision from? In prayer. In a moment where God spoke to him. Job is humbled, Job is repentant. Do you know the the book of Job is 42 chapters long. Like I said to you, it's not a short book. But Job's persistence, I believe, is part of the beauty of his story. He doesn't give up. He just keeps on coming back. He becomes desperate, but he never gives up. And I wanna speak to you today if you've been believing for something for what seems like forever. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. And those that call to Him for help, He is with you. Matthew 7, verse seven, and Seth read it in our prayer meeting this morning. Keep on asking, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. You know, in the midst of a gut-wrenching trial, Job's, you know, Job's very own wife, who's supposed to be for him, not against him, looks at him and says, you might as well curse God and die. Wow. Can you imagine? I'm going through all hell and my husband looks at me and says, well, you might as well just curse God and die. Your life is that bad. But he didn't. He kept coming back to God. He kept coming back to God. He realised who God was and he realised who He wasn't. And in Job 42 verse 12, it says this, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. You know, we live in a world of wanting everything right now. And that's sometimes half the reason that we give up praying the prayers that we need to keep praying because we want everything now. I can go to the shops. In fact, I don't even have to go to the shops and I can have something in about two hours. We live in an instantaneous world, which is good and bad. It's created entitlement. It's created impatient people. It's done a lot of things. But on the other side, it's fantastic. But the truth is, is that God's timing is not our timing and the things that we're believing for for this moment are not always, God doesn't always answer them the way we want them answered. We don't always see the answers the way we would want to see the answers, but God is greater and God is bigger. And when we have a conviction that God is good and He only does good, then we don't have an issue with keeping on coming 
bringing our petitions before Him, laying them at His feet, because we understand that prayer changes things and what it actually changes is it changes me. It changes me. The truth is prayer is not for God's good, it's for our good. Because God can do whatever He wants to do. He spoke and the world was created, but He invites us into relationship with Him. And the way we have relationship with Him is to pray, is to commune, is to worship, is to speak to Him, is to sit before Him, to sit at His feet. I love reading my Bible with a cup of coffee because when I hang out with someone, we usually sit across a table with a cup of coffee. Well, I'm just doing the same with my Heavenly Father. A cup of coffee, a book to write in, a Bible to read, some things to chat about, some answers to hear, some things to lay at His feet because I'm struggling and I don't understand. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, every single time you pray, you come before the Father clothed in the robe and the crown of a ruler. You have, as we heard two weeks ago, spiritual authority to claim what you're believing for, to believe what you're believing for according to His plan and His purpose. You have all authority. And as you speak out that authority, it builds faith in your spirit and puts faith in the atmosphere to believe that things are gonna change. Prayer is not for God's good, but it's for ours. And I wanna encourage us right now that prayer changes things. Prayer changes you and prayer changes me. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, 
the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.